Hey there, friends. Welcome back to the third season of the Ray Reynolds Rap Podcast. If you haven't already done it, go ahead and click that subscribe button. We hope that you'll check us out also on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok and find out more about content. Of course, we encourage you to also check out the website at rayreynoldsrap.com. We hope you enjoy today's program. From time to time on the podcast, we will use Bible classes and sermons that were delivered at the Somerdale Church of Christ in Somerdale, Alabama, or other locations where I've had the opportunity to speak. And so this particular broadcast is one of those sermons from Somerdale. We hope that you enjoy it. Now, we've probably read the text here in Matthew 22 several dozen times, maybe a couple hundred times for some of us who've been in the church our entire lives. And this is a concept that we sing about. It's in a lot of the hymns when you pick up a songbook and start looking at songs on love, where Jesus tells his disciples that if they really, and he's answering the question from a lawyer, from a scribe, if you really want to follow me, if you really want to be a person who understands what it means to be a child of God, here are the greatest commands. The greatest thing that you can ever do is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength from Mark's perspective. And here in Matthew, he says, I need you I need you to see this as the greatest commandment, but there's a second that is very much like it, based on an Old Testament command, that we are to love our neighbor as ourselves. Now, I bet most of us don't have a problem with understanding the first command. We love the Lord our God with everything in us. We are so grateful to be a child of God. We're so grateful to be forgiven. We're so grateful that he has provided the blood of Jesus to cleanse us and make us whole. We're grateful and we love him so much for giving us a book that we can read to understand what he expects of us as Christians. We we can understand and and we appreciate, we love him because of the church family, that we can be together with brothers and sisters every first day of the week and throughout the week for Bible study. Man, I have no trouble loving God. Amen? No trouble. Loving my neighbor, that's a little tougher. Uh, For some of my neighbors, I'm still working on it, right? But I love people. You do too. You have people in your circle that you love, and you even have some neighbors around you that you love, and you, you can't wait to see them. If you live in a little community, you probably have certain neighbors you wave to every time. You know their story. You know where they moved from. You know a little bit about the kids. We lived in a neighborhood at one time, and my boys were always kicking balls over the fence. Always kicking balls, hitting balls over the fence. And uh, finally, after a few years of that, the lady that lived next door would notice when the kids were in the backyard, and she'd just open her glass door on the back because she was listening for them to go, oh, no, and she'd go out and she'd throw the ball back over. We had a great relationship with our neighbors. have a good relationship with our neighbors where we are now. But look at this last part of the command. He says, love your neighbor as yourself. Now, how am I, is it selfish, we might ask? How am I supposed to love my neighbor as myself? Well, I submit to you this morning that it's not selfish at all. And we can learn to love ourselves with these simple truths we're going to see this morning. First of all, to love ourselves, we've got to accept ourselves. If you got your Bible, go ahead and open on there to Genesis chapter 1, a verse we're familiar with, but we'll put it in context. In order to love yourself, you have to accept yourself 
as God sees you. The problem we have in our world today is there's not a value, a high enough value, on human life. People don't value other individuals as much as maybe we once did. In order to love myself, I've got to see myself of value, see myself through God's eyes. Well, how does God view me? Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man, notice this church, created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. Ask yourself this morning, who am I to God? If I'm going to learn to love myself and accept myself and value myself as much as God does, what does he see in me? When God looks down from heaven upon me, how does he view me? Am I just one in seven billion people on the planet and multiplied millions and billions that have been here since time began? How does God view Am I just one individual person, one little speck among a huge world full of people? How does God view me? When you look into the mirror this morning and you're getting yourself ready, what did you see in the image in front of you? Do you see someone of value? Do you see someone who is created in the image of God? You see, we start this morning where we always have to start, and that is opening our eyes and looking at ourselves, or anything for that matter, the way God does. Now, when we look into the mirror and we see something that we don't like, we adjust it, right? Any uh, outfit changes this morning? Hello. Guys, don't raise your hand for your wife. Okay, don't do that. We got, we got, we got, we go through these changes, you know. We got to put this in the hair, take this out of the hair, this jacket or that jacket, these shoes, those shoes. Luckily, I have a sock rotation. I don't even have to think about it. I just grab the next sock, suit jacket, next one in the list. Just here we go. Shift it to the back, nice and easy. But most of us will probably spend some time in the morning and at night looking at ourselves. How many times have you found yourself saying? I don't like what I see. I don't like what I see. Physically, I can adjust things. But what about spiritually? When I close my eyes and I pray, what do I see inside of myself? What do I feel? We're supposed to be created in the image of God. And if you're a child of God, you're a Christian, you've been covered by the blood of Jesus, because of His Holy Spirit, He's still recreating you. He's working on you from the inside. And so the first place I start is, well, who am I? What's my purpose here? Why does, why does God love me so much? Just accept the fact that you are created in the image of God and that He loves you greater, more than you could ever imagine. Now turn with me to one of my favorite books in Ecclesiastes. It's in the Old Testament. And I love Ecclesiastes. I don't know why. I just always have. But Solomon writes these profound words here in Ecclesiastes 7 and verse 14. He says, In the day of prosperity, be joyful. The day of adversity, consider. Surely God has appointed the one as well as the other 
so that man can find out nothing that will come after him. Second thing we need to see this morning is if we want to love ourselves, we've got to enjoy ourselves. What does that mean, to enjoy yourself? It means to take time to look around you. Now, some of us don't take time to look around us unless we've forgotten our cell phone. Because usually you go into a doctor's office or you, even sitting in traffic, look around you at how many people are, man, they're on that phone, you know. Can't wait to get that phone out. We, but there comes a time when we can just finally be still. It's usually when it runs out of juice, right? We can finally sit down. You ever been in the middle of a rainstorm, got Dish Network folks? Direct TV, and it says signal lost. And you're like, no, could the rain just stop for two minutes so I could finish this program because I didn't put it on DVR? We get, we get so frustrated. We need to spend more time enjoying life. Walk, take a walk. Leave the phone at home. Enjoy your life. There was a picture on the Internet. I didn't have it to put on the screen, but... It shows this older man sitting at a table with his grandchildren, and they're on their phones, and he's sitting there eating and just looking at them while they're on their phones. And there's a little statement below saying they have no idea what they're really missing. And you'll never really be able to greatly appreciate what you've missed in life until someone is gone from you. You say, man, I could just have five more minutes. Ask yourself, what is it going to take to really find real joy? To enjoy my life, what's it going to take? Well, it's going to have to take you getting rid of some things and learning what things you really, truly need to appreciate. What's killing us, church, as Americans? What's killing us? Is it, is it cancer? Is it, is it heart disease? What's killing us? Recent statistics show that most of us Throughout our lifetime, we'll deal with ulcers and high blood pressure, heart issues, migraine headaches, loss of appetite, loss of sleep. Give me a disease, right? Give me a disease that causes all this. Are you ready for it? Stress. Stress. Why am I so stressed? Busyness. Too busy. I'm just too busy. I just, I don't have the time. I, I can't make the time. We're too busy. We need to learn to enjoy life. Enjoy your spouse. Enjoy your children. Frequently I tell people with little kids, I love to hear the babies church this morning. I love it. That's my, one of my favorite things coming to church, seeing the kids. This is the, it's just a, brings a lot of joy into our lives. But I tell parents all the time when they're that little, that's the easiest they will ever be. Because when you got a house full of teenagers, five boys as we have between us, I'm telling you, it's a different world. But enjoy your children. You will never at the end of your life sit there and go, man, why didn't I work that three extra days that year? But I promise you that you at the end of your life will begin to think, why didn't I just play with them in the backyard for just... One moment. I still have my one of my saddest memories was one of my boys wanted to play little people. You remember the little people? And he had, unbeknownst to me, set up an entire village in his bedroom. Whole village. Every toy he had was strategically placed 
so that I could go in and play with him that afternoon, Saturday afternoon. I had a lot of things on my plate. And I said, I'm sorry. I just don't have the time. I can't do it. You know, I got to go do the lawn care. I got to do this. I got to do that. Could you just come just for a few minutes? I just can't. I'm sorry, buddy. I did all my work. My nighttime routine was always to lay him down and pray with him. And I saw that little village with every single toy he had out. And I said, what did you do in here? He said, that's what I set up for us to play. Man, that is a gut punch. I said, I'll tell you what, tomorrow, don't pick it up. Tomorrow, we'll make a little time to play. And we did. But man, that hit me that night. He spent all day Friday, most of Saturday, getting it ready. And I hadn't, I hadn't been there. Enjoy the time you have. Number three, we've got to learn to deny ourselves We've got to give some things up, church. We've got to say some things are not as important as other things. When Jesus is calling his disciples, he says this in Matthew 16 and verse 24. He says, if anyone desires to come after me, let him, there's that word, deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. We live in a me-centered culture where it's only about myself. This is different. Loving yourself, appreciating your value, does not mean that you're constantly saying, I'm more important than anyone else. There has to be some kind of a balance. Jesus understood that balance. Being fully God, he becomes fully man. He's born into the image that he created for humanity. And he walks among us, as John puts it, literally in flesh, making his camp, his tabernacle, dwelling among us. Jesus intentionally lived in this world just like we do. He went through the same stresses and frustrations that we do. In fact, even in the things he did, he did it for righteousness' sake, not that it was necessary for him, but to prove to us what was right. We see that, don't we, in his baptism in Matthew 3. John says, "Why? why I, I'm not worthy to do this. And Jesus says very plainly, this is for the right thing to do. This is for righteousness sake. This is what is right for man, humans to do. Jesus does that, sets an example for us. So to deny myself means to tell myself no. When's the last time you told yourself no? When's the last time you said not going to do it? This, uh, yesterday or day before, Isaac had a birthday cake. Went down there and got one of those raspberry decadent, is that what it's called? Over there at Publix. It's not a commercial, but man, they're good. Yeah, that's right. That's right, Jackson. This is good. That, that raspberry decadent cake, we get it home. And of course, you know, we all have a slice. I had a second slice. Yep. I watched in the fridge as it, got down to about this much, and it sat there, and I don't waste food, church, you can tell, right? Don't waste food. I sit there, and I look at that thing, and, I, and Missy and I have it on the counter, <laughs> and I said, I'm going to throw that cake away, and she goes, all right. And she didn't throw it away. She let it set. Maybe to test me, I don't know. But I sit there, and I looked at that cake, and man, I just one more slice, and it sat there overnight into the next morning. As my grandma used to say, doctor told me I need to start having more oatmeal, so now I eat two oatmeal cream pies for breakfast. She said, that way I get my, both my milk and my oatmeal. I said, Grandma, I don't think that's the way marshmallow works. But, but I look at that cake for breakfast, and I think, man, i got to have 
just one more slice. I don't. Well, you can't let a good cake like that go to waste. You just can't. And that night I looked at it again and I thought, well, it's not been in the fridge, it's not cold, but it's probably still in good shape. And I finally told her, I said, I'm going to throw this cake away. And she said, good for you. And I did. Well, I'll tell you what, there was about a half a second when it hit the bottom of the dumpster, I thought, if I can come back, the lid is still fastened to it, I might be able to, but I had to tell myself, no, And that's something I've had to learn a lot over the last few weeks. Physically, we're not in the best health we're in because we don't tell ourselves no enough. Not just with food, but with a lot of things. And the same thing is true spiritually. There's some things you just don't need to think about. You don't need to watch it. You don't need to listen to it. Church, you don't need to be around it. Sometimes we have to say no. I'm going to let that go. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to be there. I'm not going to watch this. I'm not going to be a part of it because I see myself as someone of value. Number four, we've got to learn to forgive ourselves. Hello, church. Who needs this? <laughs> forgive yourself. Romans 8, 31 and 32. What then shall we say to these things? God is for us. Then who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Verse after verse, passage after passage, and chapter after chapter, show us the great forgiveness of God. Do you believe in the forgiveness of God? Amen? Do you believe? Church? Do you believe in the forgiveness of God? You believe that God is all-loving and all-powerful. And that He can forgive you of any sin. We believe that. We, we preach it. We practice it. We know God can forgive us. Then why, church, can we not forgive ourselves? Because we don't see ourselves of the same value. We say, well, you know what? I'm just scum. You, you, I am trash. You don't know the things that I've done. You don't know the mistakes that I've made. You don't know the sin that I have committed. And we say, I am just, I am worth nothing. And as we read the Bible, we know that that's true. We're the worst of all creation. He created us, the crown of creation, the glory of creation in His image. And we couldn't spend just a few minutes in the garden before we sinned. And we say, well, that was Adam and Eve. Now, if I lived, I I don't care what kind of fruit it was. You know, I love bananas, but it wasn't a banana. Whatever the fruit was, it looked good to the eyes, and they took it. And they ate from it. And we said, well, I I don't know that I would do that. Knowing what I know now, I wouldn't have given in. Yeah, you would. The devil's that cunning. And they fall. And from that point forward, there is this curse of death, both physical and spiritual for those who are in sin. But by Jesus coming on the cross, by living and dying for us, there is an example of true sacrificial love. And Jesus proves it. Nobody is going to take my life from me, He said in John 10. I lay it down willingly. God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. We, we know those Scriptures. We understand the forgiveness of God, but we've got to learn to forgive ourselves. You've got to get rid of that guilt and start understanding the attitude of gratitude. 
I need to be grateful for how good God is to me. And I have got to believe in God. I've got to believe in His promises. I've got to believe in His forgiveness. And church, I've even got to believe in myself. God values us more than we value ourselves. Number five, challenge yourself. Challenge yourself. Paul talks about the goal that was before him, the goal of winning this great prize. He says, I don't count myself to be apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things that are ahead. I set a goal. My goal is heaven. And I don't want anything to affect that here on earth. I want to stay away from things, and I don't want to practice things that might hinder my, my goal. Most of us have probably taken a trip a time or two in our lifetime. And we say, well, I'd like to get there by such and such time. And boy, there are things that get in our way. Maybe a flat tire, or it's raining and you forgot to change the windshield wipers and you can barely see. Try to find an O'Reilly on the road somewhere or an auto parts store of some kind. We don't like being distracted to getting to our destination. We want to get there. We want to make good time. We, want to, we can't stop and, and dilly-dally, my dad used to say. I still don't know what that means, but... Don't dilly-dally. So I can twiddle my thumbs. I got that. I don't know what that means. But anyways, we, we, we want to get to our destination. And if you and I want to get to heaven, we've got to make sure spiritual things are in our plans. Number six, we've got to manage ourselves. Going back to 1 Corinthians, there's a statement that Paul makes, and he says this a couple times, both in 1 Corinthians and in 2 Corinthians, that our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Now, what does it mean to be the temple of of the Holy Spirit. That means that He literally resides and He dwells within me. He says, Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit which is in you, whom you have from God, and you're not your own? For you were bought at a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. There are certain things I value that I have in my home that you probably would think were trash if you saw it. And vice versa. You can see I could see something in your house and go, Why do you hold on to that thing? Well, because it has value to me. We have value to God. And so therefore, we need to learn to manage ourselves. And there are times, again, like I said earlier, to say no. And there are times that we need to say yes. But we need to look at ourselves as one who's created in the image of God. And if we're a child of God, have been filled by the Holy Spirit. And we ought to act a certain way and do certain things. And if I'm going to manage myself, I've got to get rid of procrastination. I've got to get rid of materialism. I've got to start learning to do things in moderation. I've got to learn to speak truth in love. Manage yourself. Manage your mouth. Manage your mind. And manage your feet. And finally, Acts chapter 2 tells us that we need to save ourselves. And we love that text. We covered it on Sunday or Wednesday night. I'm teaching a series, by the way, on uh, New Testament books. And we're taking it kind of slow now. We went through the Gospels. Bang, bang, bang. We started Acts Wednesday night, and I said, oh, we're going to do this in two weeks. Those of you who are here, you already know. I said, we're going to do this in two weeks. We're going to cover chapter 1 through 12 in the first week. Second week, we're going to do 13 through 28. That's no problem. Well, we got in here and started talking about Acts 1 and 2, and I didn't get past 2. I'm going to have to finish 2 Wednesday night because there's so much in that chapter that sets a foundation for everything else that is taught after it. Every book that's taught, every verse that needs to be memorized, it comes back to Acts chapter 2 and the establishment of the church. There Peter says to them, you need to repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. That means that if I want to be saved, I've got to learn 
to work out my own salvation. That I've got to, me, myself, and I, take steps to save myself. I have to do it. It's like when we go through and decide to go on a cruise or on a trip on a boat, and they say, well, here's where the life preservers are. I'm not going to need that, you know. What's the odds that I would need that? Well, the, they start calling. There's a leak in the boat. You start, what did she say? Well, what was that? What, could you go back over the... Get nervous, don't we? Peter says you're going to have to save yourselves. Men and brethren, what do we need to do? What do we need to, we're lost. What do we do? And he hands them, if you will, a life preserver. And he says, you need to repent. And you need to be baptized. I'm not going to be saved because my mama brought me to church every Sunday. I'm not going to be saved because I read my Bible every chance I get. I'm not going to be saved just because I've got a pew and everybody knows it, right, at church. That's not going to save me. What's going to save me is repenting, being baptized, living a faithful Christian life. So if you're ready to do that today, we can help you. We'd love to encourage you to become a child of God. If you are a Christian, learn this today. Love yourself. See your value. And if you've got something in your life you need to let go of, lay it at the foot of the cross. Thank you for tuning in to today's broadcast. Be sure to hit that subscribe button to get updates on original content each week. Follow us on social media at Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Tumblr, TikTok, YouTube, and check out our website at rayreynoldsrap.com. Also, if you'd like to suggest a topic for an upcoming broadcast, or if you'd like to email me a question, or if you have a prayer request, you can send that to rayreynoldsrap at gmail.com. Have a great day, and may the Lord bless you as you seek to live an authentic life in Christ Jesus. To help you in your study of the Bible, we want to send you this Bible Correspondence Course. This course is non-denominational. It's based on the Bible. It's conducted by mail, and it's free. To receive this course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, P.O. Box 314, Summerdale, Alabama, 36580, or call toll-free 1-877-711-5214.